Hey everybody, it's Pastor Brian, and we just finished up our 2021 Leadership One Day event where we had a bunch of different leaders from all over Bridgeway. And as part of the event, we did some breakout sessions and they were all really helpful. So we asked our different breakout session leaders to come in and talk to me so they could share what they shared at their sessions with all of you. So in this one, I am talking to Nicole Andrade and she gave a terrific session on finding life balance and avoiding burnout. So I think there's a lot to learn from her wisdom on certainly a very relevant topic. So check out this interview and enjoy. Well, hey, I'm here with Nicole Andrade, and we are talking about keeping life in balance and avoiding burnout, a relevant topic for virtually any time, but I feel like especially right now. Nicole, how would you define burnout? Well, that's a great question. I actually pulled from thehealthline.com and they defined burnout as a state of mental and physical exhaustion that can zap the joy out of your career, friendships, and family interaction. Mental and physical exhaustion that can zap the joy. Okay, so there's a word that I noticed that is missing from that definition. And And it is obviously intentional, but I think that it speaks to some misconceptions around burnout. That... The word busy is not in there. No. Yeah. Can you speak to that a little bit? Because I think sometimes we think of burnout as being like, oh, I just have, I have too much happening or I'm too busy or whatever, but that's not exactly what it is. No. And as a matter of fact, it's really interesting you point that out because when I was started researching what burnout really means, it meant that it's a prolonged dealing with stress. Hmm. So in 2020, everyone really could be burnt out because they use political, social, family, school, and job. Yeah. So it's not being busy, but it is taking on yourself too much stress. Yeah, no, that's, and I think that's an important distinction. Now, burnout can be a little bit tricky to diagnose. And I I think there are unfortunately too many stories of, of, we don't notice it until it's until it's too late, right? What are what are some ways we can begin to notice that we're kind of teetering on the edge of burnout? What are some signs? So the first one is exhaustion. If you're physically and emotionally depleted, now both of those are hand in hand. Some of the symptoms of that are headaches, stomach aches, appetite or sleeping changes. Another one is isolation, and it's the idea of feeling overwhelmed with socializing. And so your relationships just start to change Hmm. because you don't want to be around people. Um, Escape fantasies. Now, I have to tell you that when I looked this up, (laughs) I literally sent this article to three people because they had said, um, jokingly, of course, nobody actually seriously says this, that they wanted to run away or have a solo vacation. Yeah. Um, I started hearing that a lot. And irritability. um, Frequent illness. Hmm. So oddly enough, in 2020, Long-term stress can lower your immune system. So people start having strange, undiagnosable illness. Huh. That's, uh, that's interesting. I want to I wanna touch on that escape fantasies one a little bit more because that's interesting to me that you ended up sending that to, to lots of different people. Um, gosh, I'm having trouble even formulating a question, but I feel like this is a, this is a significant, uh, significant issue. I guess maybe what's the difference between maybe feeling like you need a break and then getting to the point where you're like, I just want to escape my life. Like, h- how are those different in your mind? 
So I think that our culture deals with escapism on a day-to-day. But when you hear people saying, I'd like to book a hotel by myself for a long period of time, (laughs) that, especially to people who you know love people. Yeah. Um, that's out of character. Yeah. And that is a cry for help. And I didn't even know that until I started reading about it. Yeah. So these are some signs. Let's say we start kind of doing a little personal inventory and we notice a lot of this stuff going on and we start to realize, gosh, I think I might be, I might be burning out here. I might be burnt out. What do you do at that point? (laughs) Well, yeah, because if you're feeling overwhelmed, it feels overwhelming to make all of the changes. So I, um, I just came up with and then did some research and they're valid, a few ways to look at your life in different ways to kind of balance things out. Hmm. Yeah. So, so, and, and if you piece it out, it's less overwhelming. Does that make sense? Yeah. So you're trying to keep your life, you're trying to, okay, so I'm in the burnout stage. I'm starting to think that I'm burnout. Now there are some things I need to do to kind of get my life in life in balance. Um, and I think that's helpful to hear you say, okay, the, just even kind of recognizing that that's going to maybe, to put it in different words, that's going to feel like a lot of work, right? Um, mm-hmm. But it's necessary is yeah. what I'm hearing you say. Um, it's it, And it's necessary to see that you may feel burnout in one area, mm-hmm. but your whole life you're putting things on a plate. Yeah. Um, and so that's why these three things are super helpful. Yeah. Um, and by the way, Christian leaders don't really like to say they're burnt out doing ministry hmm. because I think that that feels like something's wrong. Something's yeah. wrong with your faith. Yeah. And so knowing that there's a strategy, yeah. knowing that this is real, knowing that this is part of us being humans. Yeah. Um, and that there is a reason for life balance and that's godly. Yeah. Um, I want to get into your three ways to help us keep life in balance. But but before we do that, I want to ask you another question about what you just said. I, I feel like if ever I get into an environment with Christian leaders or just Christians in general, and it's a it's an environment where people can be honest and conversations about things like burnout start, almost everybody admits to at least feeling a little bit burnt out. And yet there is this stigma, as you alluded to, what needs to happen? And I'm just asking you, Nicole, your opinion. What needs to happen within the Christian world for us to kind of destigmatize burnout so that we can address it before it becomes this big kind of four alarm fire? Um, I love that question. Um, as a leader, I think that God is calling me to being transparent. So if I'm in a room where I know people look up to me or I'm a leader and I just say the real thing, yeah. it gives people permission. And that's why we were talking about um, if you run a ministry yeah. or you lead people and you start to cultivate this and you say, gosh, I realized I have four of these symptoms. Yeah. Then they could actually feel permission to say, I have three. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, we need to give people permission. And people who give permission are influencers. Yeah. But, wow. That's a great, that's, I love that. That's a great way to put it, that you influence by giving permission. And, and so often, right, we're afraid to, ad, we're afraid to kind of go first in admitting these things because we think there's going to be shame attached to it when it sounds like what you're saying is really, it's exactly the opposite. 
Right. It's bringing light to the darkness. Yeah. And so we know, again, that's scriptural. Yeah, absolutely. That's powerful. So, all right. So let's get into three kind of helps to keep life in balance. Go, go ahead and give us the first one. Okay. So you're going to have to deal with my, my terms. All right. So the first one is um, cleaning out your closet. And obviously this is metaphorical, although you could apply this to your closet. Mm-hmm. And typically when we clean out our closets, we do a first pass through and we take out the dirty, um, holy raggedy garments, the things that don't fit anymore and they're ugly. Yeah. Right. And in life, what that looks like is our bad habits, our time wasters and our unhealthy patterns. So then once you have that out, you need to go back through and you need to look at the things that you just don't really need, hmm. the things that don't serve you in the season. So, and if you had a need like that, you'd likely go get something new. You'd get something current to match you where you are. And so where in life, what this looks like is commitments that you might need to end. Say you're leading a, a Friday morning coffee and you see somebody else that's a good enough leader and, and you feel prompted to step back and let somebody else take that over. Or friendships that might need that space or people that take up a certain level of energy that you are not intended to have close to you in that season. Hmm. Yeah. Can I, can I interrupt you real quick? I want, cause I want to, sure. I want to, the identification process there, I feel like for people can be difficult. And then there's also a guilt component to, well, I've made these commitments and I need to keep them forever or everyone else is doing these things. So I need to do, I mean, do you have any guidance to how to, how do we, how do we overcome sort of this guilt that comes with ending commitments that don't need to be there or, or things of that nature? Um, it was really funny you say that because when I gave this talk, I said, it's not personal. And so many people in the room sighed because see, we, (laughs) yeah, because we attach personal, we attach shame and, and, and obligation. And I had this thought, if you never have to move and you never have a family tragedy and you never have a major illness, how do you keep going through life through seasons with new opportunities? If you never take anything off your plate. Yeah, that's a, that's that's a great way to put it. Um, and hopefully in those situations, you know, as you, I think people really know. I think people really, when when they're listening to this right now, they're like, shoot, I do have that. And <laughs> I do take that person's text and yeah. I could probably hand them off to someone else. That doesn't mean you drop the plate. It yeah. means you find a good way to make a transition, um, unless it's toxic, then you drop the plate, but, but you transition because, um, we need to model that so that other people have permission again to do that. There you go. That's great. Okay. So second pass through, you're getting rid of things you don't really need. What happens on the third pass through? Um, so the third pass through is hard (laughs) and, um, I've had to do this in my own closet literally, and it's making room taking things out that may be of high value and you're just holding on to them. Either it's attached to your identity in some way or you just like the situation. And and how you know it needs to come out is you're sacrificing family time. Hmm. You know, you know that you should be with your family, but you really, really, really want to keep doing this thing. And I, I think that if we were really honest, we know what that third thing is. Hmm. Um, and oftentimes, oddly enough, 
we as Christian leaders, we don't want to make space to just have space to like do spiritual disciplines, to pray yeah. and have time and, and be. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's this, uh, yeah, we, we, I feel like this is getting talked about everywhere right now, kind of this glorification of busyness, right? And it seems like that is kind of a recipe for, for burnout. Cause as you say, we, we glorify busyness and it's almost like if you have free and empty space in your life, it's like, what's the matter with you? Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and, and so what I love about that is that we see in John 15, Mm-hmm. Jesus tells his disciples about the vine dresser and the vine and removing bad branches and removing fruiting branches so more fruit can happen. Yeah. And what I love about that, um, I read that passage over and over, and Jesus actually tells him, this is how the Father loves me. Yeah. He removes things because he loves me. And so when you think about it that way, it's easier to let go of those things. Man, that's so good. Yeah. That's, that's, that is, that, yeah, wow, that's really, really good. So, so step one or practice number one is, is clean out your closet. And, and certainly, gosh, that John 15 text can be a, a beautiful way of thinking about we're receiving God's love in some ways by accepting his removal of some things from our lives. And that can be for our benefit. Step two or, or practice number two is a great one that's really hard. Talk to us about that one. Um, it's, I, I said it's called staying in your lane. And by the way, I completely dated myself with using the Kramer's Adopt a Highway skit on Seinfeld. <laughs> and I love that. Um, I love that skit because he, he adopts a highway because he doesn't like that there's a pothole. Mm-hmm. And it's a four-lane highway in New York. Mm-hmm. And he just decides the lanes are too narrow. <laughs> so he repaints the lanes to two lanes. So for his section of highway, it goes from four to two lanes. And, you know, and all everyone comes in in this ruckus and they're like, it's so chaotic. And um, the, the show ends with him driving in his lane leisurely and then having all this chaos and, and him seeing that when he rewrote the lines, it allowed for chaos because people didn't know what was happening. Yeah, oh, that's great. And so I love that. So um, how to make that practical is it's really important not to take on what you don't need to. Yeah. And, and I have to say that again, you do not take on what you don't need to. Um, and I, I press into that. I've, I've learned that well from even talking to you pastors and, and Pastor Paul and Lance and you, and, and you can present a need and you often don't hear like, well, you're going to fill that need right now. It's more like, okay, well, let's pray about that and see if God raises up a person. Yeah. But in our minds, we think, oh my gosh, there's a need and people are hurting and yeah. it's church, <laughs> right? I mean, yeah. it always goes back to the spiritual component. Yeah. Um, but I, I, Jesus is such a good example. Right. In Mark, Jesus is at Peter's house and they have a phenomenal night. Like they had the worship, prayer and healing night of worship, prayer and healing. <laughs> And it says that in the morning he rose before it was light and he went out and he prayed and Peter and the disciples came looking for him and he said, get your stuff, we're leaving. And they said, but there's so much need. And even Jesus said, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. Yeah. 
And we have to know how profound that is because nobody else had what Jesus had. Right. Which yeah. other people have what we have. <laughs> you know, I could yeah. pray for someone, you could pray for someone, we could rope someone in who yeah. doesn't even want to pray out loud, and they have the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Same Holy Spirit. Nobody had what Jesus had. Right. And he still said, <laughs> I see him over there, but I got to go. Yeah. yeah. And so that was a really great example. Again, it's not emotional. It does not have to be. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's huge because I think oftentimes it does become emotional. And and I think this raises the question, how much does identity play into this? <laughs> I mean, we could probably sit here for an hour and unpack all of that. But can you just speak to that a little bit? Because I just, that keeps pinging in my mind as I'm hearing you talk. So oftentimes, um, because we have a heart to, and we read in the Bible, bear one another's burdens, but we don't we, we take that out of context and we yeah. don't understand we're only supposed to bear it to the cross. Yeah. Jesus is supposed to bear the burden. Yeah. Our, our, our yoke and our burden are supposed to be easy and light. And so I think we do. We get this little bit of a, I'm not going to say everyone gets this, but it's like a savior complex. I have to do it. Yeah. Because, and I remember um, I talk about this a little bit when I first started coming to Bridgeway and, and Jesus was really working on me. I was a Pilates instructor and I, I was really good. And I had so many people see that in me mm -hmm. and my yeses kept piling up. Hmm. And then I had to start saying some embarrassing no's. Hmm. And Vicki Graff was the leader of um, women's ministry at the time. And I was so young. And, <laughs> and I said, I, I have to say no to some things because I'm, I'm so overwhelmed. And she said, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help you out here, but I really need you to learn this lesson. Hmm. And I, yeah. I think I was like, it was like 13 years ago. <laughs> and I still remember where we were standing in the old, old um, foyer yeah. and her look of compassion, but like, you need to learn this now. Yeah. Um, I think that when we see someone who sees a need in us or a gift in us, it hits our pride a little to go, oh yeah, I have to do that because they see that in me. Mm, yeah. That's, that's my experience. Yeah. Um, and that's why I say um, in that part of staying in your lane, pray before every yes. Yeah. And fast and pray before every big yes. Yeah. Um, we often think fasting means putting on sackcloth and ashes and, and not eating. But you can set something aside for a period of time to talk to the Lord, to ask him if you're supposed to step into something. Yeah. And that's honoring. And it's honoring to cultivate that in our ministries. Yeah. So that we know our people are giving us the right yes. Yeah. No, yeah. absolutely. Well, and that speaks to the whole giving permission thing as well, right? Yes. That you don't want to, as, as leaders, you don't want to create an environment where people feel, say, for example, put on the spot, right? Oh, you need to give me an answer right now. Well, if we're modeling, right. you know, we can call it decisive action. And certainly there's a time and a place for that. But if we're modeling, hey, let's pray about this. Let's seek the Lord on this. Giving permission. That's a wonderful phrase. Yeah. So practice number one, clean out your closet. Practice number two, stay in your lane. Practice number three, talk to us about that one. So practice number three is the simplest yet the most difficult. <laughs> and that is pressing pause. Yeah. And we, yes, that was modeled from Jesus, but that was modeled in the very beginning from creation 
when there was a Sabbath and God rested and he instructed his people to rest. Yeah. And then we see that Jesus demonstrated the need to get away um, even when there was a need. Um, we need to rebuke the lie that we're needed all the time, everywhere. Yeah. We, we see that Jesus, even though, again, he was the only one who had what he had in the beginning, but we saw this practice that he would get away. Yeah. There's a caveat to that. <laughs> Pressing pause is not escapism. Yeah, that's a really great distinction. Talk to us about that. And there's some responsibility in that. So yeah. as a leader, when we cultivate pressing pause, that means when you saw Jesus step away, he stepped away in prayer. He stepped away to get real rest. Yeah. He stepped away to re-fortify um, himself. Yeah. I do not think that Jesus was playing like Sudoku in the sand. <laughs> now, there's nothing wrong with Sudoku. And, sure. and my husband and I have a lot of fun things we do. We, we garden. You know, my husband plays Catan on the iPad. All of that. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That is not what I'm talking about, pressing pause. And, and pressing pause can mean I'm setting my phone down or I'm listening to a podcast while I get out and do some exercise. Yeah. Um, we have to be able to do self-care yeah. and not think it's permission to just escape. Sure. Yeah. yeah. It, it seems like so often what culturally we call rest is exactly what you've just described, escapism. And, and if I'm hearing you correctly, it sounds like you're saying that we kind of need to do the work to determine, okay, what is different enough from our routine that we notice the difference and then truly restorative as opposed to just a break. Right. Because we don't typically get up after three hours of Netflix and go, man, I feel awesome. I'm ready to take on the day, right? We don't necessarily do that. <laughs> and 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 self-care, this is where people oftentimes go, oh my gosh, of course, she she's a physical fitness instructor. I'm not talking about becoming a beach body. Yeah. I'm talking about getting out, yeah. walking, finding something to do to clear your head, something to do to help you sleep, yeah. something to do to clear your mind. I get so many ideas for ministry at the gym, just on an elliptical, listening yeah. to a podcast or worship music. That is my time to feed myself with something healthy. Yeah. Um, and I, I get so many great ideas when I've pressed pause. Yeah. Yeah. So. No, that's, that's powerful. Um, you said one thing towards the end of your, uh, your breakout session that I want to hit on as we start to kind of wrap up here. You said stay in environments where you are inspired. I love that. Can you unpack that a little bit for us? What does that, what does that mean to you? Um, yeah. So we often, um, well, we always get to choose our surroundings. Whether you think you have a choice or not, you really, really do. And when you see people that are, are bouncing off ideas and even they're handling difficult situations with somewhat of a level of like, that's great, but God is good. You know, that doesn't yeah. mean they're always cheery, but they've got new ideas of how to grow. And, and even when you come to them with something difficult, they're like, Hey, how can you encounter the Lord or ministry ideas? Yeah. Um, we really want to be that iron sharpening iron. Yeah. 
um, this past year, and I take every Tuesday I'm on this prayer call um, with these ladies all over the all over the country. And it has turned into such a, like we talk about what the Lord is doing and we walk away always thinking, I should try that. <laughs> I should try that. Yeah, yeah. Now, we don't have anything else in common. And I don't know that we'd hang out if yeah. they ever came to town. Super purposeful. That's cool. Um, it's very cool. I just got a book in the mail from one of them the other day. <laughs> and and that's, what, that's what I mean. Staying in places where people inspire you. And again, that's part of that cleaning out your closet, right? Because yeah. if you're always walking away going... Lord, that was heavy. Yeah. Then you're pulling someone else along, which is fine. Just make sure that's not all the conversations you're having in a day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, gosh, that's such, man, such wisdom there. The even recognizing that balance between, okay, maybe different ones of us in our professions or our family or whatever, we have to walk through heavy conversations, Mm -hmm. but to know, okay, what, what inspires you? What makes you feel a little bit lighter? What makes you ready to take on the day and use the gifts God has given you? And to say that, like, that's not selfish to lean into those things. That is, like, that's just huge and it's critical and it's important. It's huge. And, like, I know that you do a book club and Dale Weeb has told me about <laughs> how inspired he always is just from different perspectives, right? And yeah. And that is not only healthy, it makes life a little bit more fun. Yeah. Because if you don't know my issues, but we come together to talk about the Lord, chances are my issues are set aside for that time Mm -hmm. and God can speak to me in a fresh way. Yeah, amen. That has nothing to do with those things. Yeah. So that's really helpful. Yeah, and what a powerful, I mean, hey, we can play that role for one another, which is a beautiful thing. So awesome, Nicole. Well, thanks for leading the breakout session and thanks for taking some time to to chat with me today. Uh, Great stuff as always. I sure appreciate it. Thanks for having me. 